Worship, worship. Today we're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk that worship is not just song. It's not just melody. It's not just what we do on a Sunday morning. It's not just what we do with the music and the instruments. It's, it's our life. It's how we live our life. And to be honest, right, there's a lot of things that compete for our attention, isn't there? In life, there's a lot of things that c compete for your attention. You drive down the highway and you see the billboards competing for your attention. You open your cell phone and you go to your, your social media preference and it's competing for your attention. A lot of you have friends who compete for your attention, for your friendship. We, we constantly have things competing for our attention and, and really the idea of worship, the idea of worship is literally the, the idea of laying in a posture of giving ourselves to the Lord and humbly submitting to that which we bow down to. And everything in our culture and life wants us to bow down to other things and other situations. A lot of us know this to be true. Psalm 81.9 says this. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall, bow down, you shall not bow down to a foreign God. Bowing is in essence worship because it's in this place of bowing that you are vulnerable, that you are submissive, and that you're giving honor to the person that you're in front of or the being that you're in front of. We oftentimes in our culture bow to different things, don't we? We worship different things, and this is why this discipline matters so much in our lives. Because oftentimes we will find ourselves bowing maybe to a relationship we're in, <clears throat> where we find ourselves kneeling at that altar. Some of us bow to maybe a job that we have, and it becomes everything in your life, your center, your focus. Some of us, we worship money. Others of us, it's the achievement or accolades that we receive. Others of us, we worship uh, different objects, different relics, different things that we have. Maybe we would put our center, our focus on maybe a relic, thinking that it's going to provide. And, and oftentimes we see this in the Old Testament or ancient scriptures, that the people would bow down to a relic that they erected, representing a God of that's not Yahweh. Worship happens all the time. We bow ourselves to different things. And as you bow yourself and bow on your knee to something, you, you are submitting yourself to that. And you're allowing that particular object or thing to be the authority or the representative to speak in your life. It controls you. It moves in a place of whatever you're bowing down ends up controlling your behavior, your actions, your moods, your, your do's and don'ts. And, and we aren't just worshiping maybe relationships or jobs or achievements or relics. Some of us worship a state of being. Maybe we find ourselves after, after years of COVID and anxiety came upon us and we found ourselves bowing down to anxiety, just throwing in the towel and just worshiping a new identity of depression or anxiety or or something like that some of us not only just bow down to a state of being but others of us right we will 
bow down to a particular object of addiction. Some of us bow down to uh, pornography. Some of us would bow down to a drug addiction. Whatever ends up controlling you is usually what you've been bowing down to, is what has been your object and center of worship. And so I want to petition us this morning as we talk about worship, what are you bowing down to, church? What are we bowing down to? I want to read John 4, 23 and 24 this morning. It says this, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The fact of the matter is that we are called to worship in spirit and in truth. And Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. If you remember the context of John chapter 4, he's talking and he's visiting with her. He's talking about what true worship is. He said there will be a day when the spirit and truth begins to happen, and that is how you will worship. He was foreshadowing about who he is, that he is truth, and he was also foreshadowing that the Spirit was to come to all those who know the truth, and as the truth has set you free and you become sons and daughters, that the Spirit would move in you and through you to worship. This is what he wants for us. You see, worship is constantly moving us to bow our knee in different ways, to bow our mind, to bow our, mod our body, and to bow our hearts. There's three things that you have to bow when it comes to worship. You have to bow your body, everybody say body. You have to bow your mind, everybody say mind. You have to bow your heart, everybody say hearts. You see, sometimes what we do is we'll go through the motions. How many of you ever go through the motions? Some of, some of us just go through the motions of being a student. Some of us go through the motions of being a parent. You know how it is. You just automate, and you aren't intentional. You aren't, you're, you're, you're more passive. You're zoned out. You see, God is calling us not to just move into this zoning out and this checking out, but he's calling us to intentionality. It's why bowing, when you read the word worship, when you read that word and it talks about this, this positioning of bowing, it moves you to intentionality, doesn't it? When you get on your knees, it moves you. Why do some of us, when we worship in church, raise our hands? Because all of a sudden, it's moving us into a position with our body. We may be there in our mind. We may be there in our heart. But when our body is there, we're, God's getting all of us. Some of us, we realize my mind's not there. Let my hands go first, and maybe my mind will catch up. Sometimes my hands will be there, my mind will be there, but my heart is not in the right place. And it moves us when our hands are raised and our mind is there and we're bowing. It all of a sudden brings a humility to your life that positions you into a heart posture of humble walking. You see, if we're to be worshipers, we must be humble. Bowing is about humility. Isaiah 29, 13 says this. And the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. 
God moves in this way of judgment towards the people of Israel and saying that their, their, their lips are there, right? They're, they're honoring him with the lip service. How many of you ever get lip service? You know that person who's nice to you, right, when you see them, but behind your back, you know they're not so nice? Yeah, you may have some friendships like that, some people like that. I know they're saying something. They're talking about me. And, and, and coincidentally enough, you're talking about them. You see how it works? But the truth is, is God wants us, right, to not just give lip service, but to give our mind to him and give to our heart to him. It's what he's looking for. It's the true worshipers will worship not just with their hands, not just with their bodies, but with their mind also and also with their heart. The spirit will flow out. We see this about worship. Worship causes us to bow down. Another thing that we see about worship and what I'm so grateful for about worship is that worship ends up traveling with us. You see, it's unlike a relic, unlike maybe something else that you're worshiping, maybe your computer screen, maybe a TV screen, maybe something else. What I love about godly worship is godly worship travels. Amen. Meaning that God is with you wherever you go. Therefore, we can always worship. Praise God. We see a, a shadow of this in the Old Testament. You see, when God delivered the people and he took them out and he took Moses, he ended up building a tabernacle. The tabernacle was the place that worship would happen. But the tabernacle was a large tent revival. Amen. Anybody remember tent revivals? Two of us. Okay, all right. I love it. I love it. It was like a large tent, a, a revival that happened in a tent. But what was amazing about this, this was representative of as the people of Israel traveled, that they could break down the tent and the tabernacle would travel with them. That worship would go to the next destination that they were to attend. And I want to let you know that worship with us it travels. Aren't you grateful that it travels? You see, it moves. It moves in a great way. And in John 2, 19, when Jesus came and he walked this earth, he was saying, you know, there was the tent that traveled. And then there was a temple that inhabited the presence of God. But I want to let you know the temple will be destroyed. And it will be, it will be destroyed in three days. But on the third day, it will rise up. And when it rises up, the Holy Spirit will come and he will come to you, moving in you, knowing that Jesus is now the, the very temple that we're looking for that is travel, traveling with us. He's tabernacling with you wherever you go. He's moving with you. Aren't you thankful, church? I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful on I-10 that Jesus is traveling with me because when that traffic is real, when the 1604, what are they doing for the love? I mean, some of y'all already moved houses just because of the traffic. But even in that traffic, that God is tabernacling with you, that he's with you, that Jesus came so that he could walk alongside of you and be near to you. This is what he wants. He wants to move in you and through you. And this is what I love, is what we read about is God's house, the temple, was a house of prayer. The tabernacle was a house of prayer. Y'all remember this? 
If you don't, I want to let you know. Maybe you're a guest this morning to Christianity. When, when there was a temple erected in Jerusalem, God's presence showed up there, and you would go, and it was a house of prayer. But what did the people do to that house? They defiled the house. They made it a house other than prayer, other than worship. What I love about John 2, 19, when Jesus said, um, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up, what he's saying is, he is the temple that will be raised up, and it says that he is making intercession for you. Romans 8.34, that at the right hand of God, Jesus is interceding for us. In 1 John 2.1, we see that he is an advocate with the Father. In Hebrews 7.25, Jesus always lives to intercede do you see what he did there that this house of prayer that was built by bricks on earth he tore down he resurrected in himself and he became the house of prayer that intercedes on your behalf that he's praying for you constantly isn't that good news it's great news and so as we know, as he's praying for you, as he's making intercession for you, it means that when you go your way, right or left, and you're in Christ, but you decide to do stupid. Anybody ever do stupid? Like make silly choices? Uh, anybody decide to do that? Here's the great news is God's interceding for you. He's petitioning on your behalf. He's praying for you, and he's constantly drawing you back. He's constantly bringing you back to the Father. Aren't you grateful for that? And therefore, we worship him. We bow down to him. We bow down to him because he's the temple. He's the prayer. He's the intercession. And when we meet with him, God does a wonderful work in our lives. This is what he wants for us. He travels with you. Emmanuel, right? That was one of his names. His name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. And when God went to heaven, he didn't leave you as an orphan, right, college students? Some of our college leaders were there last night as we read this. He didn't leave you as an orphan, but he came to send an advocate on your behalf so that you could be known and that you could know him. Worship also draws you near. We bow down in worship. We, we, we submit to him. It travels with, with us. But worship draws you near. And how many of you know that is true? It's like, how many have said this? When I'm just worshiping, I just feel closer to God. Why is that? Because he reciprocates the relationship. This is what I love about a healthy relationship will be reciprocated. How many of you know that's true? Unhealthy relationships do not reciprocate it. You know this. Husbands and wives, mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, brothers and brothers, sisters and sisters. As you move and you love someone, if they quit reciprocating, what happens? You go a little cold. You get a little bitter. There's something jacked up in this relationship. This isn't right. But God is a good God. He is a loving God. He is, he is predestined you. He has chosen you. He has called you out. He has loved you. He has elected you. He, you are the apple of his eye. And he said, I want relationship with you. And this is what he wants. Psalm 145, 18 says, the Lord is near to all call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Aren't you grateful? 
that we're worshiping in spirit and truth. Okay, that was your that was your moment. All of us were worshiping spirit and there you go. Yeah, spirit and truth. This is what the Lord says is that as we're worshiping in the spirit and the truth of Jesus, as we're moving in this and we call upon him, what does he say? The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Why is the Lord near to the brokenhearted? Because it's the brokenhearted that are crying out for God. How I many you know that's true? When you're brokenhearted, there's no other answers. There's no other situations. He will come to you because you're calling out to him. This is what he wants for you. James 4.8, we all know this. We all know James 4.8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This is what God wants. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This isn't a friending series, but if you want to know how to make a friend and start a friendship, draw near to that friendship. Draw near to it. Draw close to it. Invest in it. Uh, I remember this with my best friend, uh, Jay Tom. I, we were 20 years old. I was, I was isolated. I was lonely. I didn't have a ton of friends. I just, I just uh, committed to walk with Jesus and lordship. And all my friends who didn't live for Jesus didn't want a part of that. So it was, it was a lonely road. Uh, the violin's playing right now. Okay. <laughs> it was a lonely road. But, but what did I do? I... I saw a man who loved God. I saw a man who grew up in a household of God. I saw a man who was pursuing God. And what did I do? I started pursuing that relationship. I started texting him and calling him and inviting him to hang out and going to hang out with students and disciple students. And, and I, I just didn't leave him alone. If you want good friendship, just don't leave him alone, right? Now, don't be a stalker. You know, don't take that out of context. Same with God. Same with this relationship. Same with who he is. You want relationship with him? Draw near to him. Call him. Text him. Be with him. Worship him. Bow your knee to him. Submit to him. See what he has for you. Draw near. Worship draws us near. Two other things that we see that worship does is that worship heals. Worship heals. We read in Exodus 23, 24 through 26 says this, you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them. This is God talking to Moses as he's given the first tablets. Nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. It's violent in the Old Testament. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Verse 25, you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from among you none shall miscarry or be barren in your land i will fulfill the numbers of your days that that god is saying as we worship his blessing his hand is upon you as you worship he is reciprocating the relationship now obviously bad things happen in a fallen world when sin happened bad things happen there's disappointment that happens not everything is you're completely healthy, and then boom, you're raptured. Sorry. But what does happen is, God said, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. It's interesting because I think this is God's heart for his people. Interestingly, this was written on the first tablets. Now, I haven't studied this fully, so go with me here. I hope I don't, hopefully this is not heresy. But on the first tablets, he wrote these out. 
and there was this blessing that was happening if they were to follow these tablets. But what did Moses find when he came down from the mountain? They were already worshiping a relic, another god, a golden calf. So what did Moses do? He broke the tablets. He went up. And God wrote the same law on the tablets. But isn't it interesting? This blessing isn't there. It's fascinating, and, and I just want to let you know, those who are in Christ, God is letting you know that this is the relationship, this is the kingdom, this is what heaven is like, this is how it's amazing, this is, there's no sickness, there's no barrenness, there's no, none of that, it's perfect world, it's all these things, I have my best for you, just follow me and worship me. And when Jesus came and when he was resurrected and he puts in the new covenant, how many know his kingdom came with healing, healing blind people, healing deaf people, raising the dead. So many miracles that we read about. You see, God, when he shows up, when Jesus shows up, he's telling us there's going to be one day where there's no more tear, no more weeping, that it's going to be a blessing and there's going to be fruitfulness, a fruitfulness. A womb that isn't barren is resemblance of fruitfulness. God is going to bring this about. Worship does heal. We do see in James 5, and I don't fully understand this, nor will I go there today, but worship does heal. And in James, it instructs us, if there's anyone sick among you, bring them to the elders. The elders will anoint them with oil, and they will be healed. I know that Jesus will do some incredible moments where he will heal in this moment. But I know at the end of the day, when we're in eternity, we will be fully healed in a resurrected body. Amen. Worship heals. And lastly, as the worship team comes up, we see that worship reveals. Worship reveals. And it says this in John 40, 24, 23. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Worship reveals your sonship and your daughtership. Wow, this is crazy. Siri just went off up here. Okay, that was cool. Worship reveals. It reveals who the Father is. It reveals, it reveals who we are. As we begin to worship, it reveals who, who the true worshipers are. Discipline of worship is a daily discipline. And it's not necessarily just song, although it can be song. And it's not necessarily just music, and it can be music. But worship is a place of bowing our knee and submitting to him. And, and letting him be the Lord of our life. You see, worship in Romans 12 talks about whatever we do, do unto the Lord. For this is our reasonable act of worship or service. That as we work our jobs, as we love our neighbors, as we go to and fro, as we make disciples, as God moves, we become these worshipers. This is what God wants for us. He wants us to become worshipers, church. And he's revealing to us through his spirit that we can become just that, worshipers. I'd love for you to stand up. I want to pray for you this morning as we get ready for communion.
God wants worship for us. He wants us to celebrate in a way of worship. As we get ready for the Lord's table this morning, or the Lord's Supper, as he refers to it, as Paul refers to it, the Lord's Supper, what this is meaning for us today is there's bread and there's juice, representative of Jesus' body and his blood, his body given for us, his blood shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. And as often as we come together, we're called to worship. And one way that we worship is to come to the table in a posture of receiving. It's interesting, we don't do this every Sunday, nor are we doing it today. <laughs> but oftentimes what the church did in their liturgy is when they served communion, they would move into a place just like Jesus did as he served it to the disciples. You see, there's this moment where he's serving them. There's this service that's happening. There's this moment that's happening. And, and the table this morning is a place when there's service, when there's a moment, there's a worship, there's a clinging to. And Jesus was moving in this place of worshiping God by giving communion. And so as you give communion, it's worship. As you receive communion, it's worship. It's giving service to the Lord for what he's done. And after they ate of the bread and drank of the cup, I love the account that we see in the Gospels. It's right after that they sang a song. And this is one of the few times we see Jesus singing a hymn with the disciples. That it was instituted from the very beginning that we would sing together and worship the Father. So communion also allows us and makes room for us to sing together. I'm going to bless these elements, and before I do, I want to let you know that we have bread and juice, and you simply go down the right side, and we have two tables, and you can visit each station. You simply take the bread, and you'll dip it in the juice, and then you may partake of that this morning, and then go back to your seat and worship, and worship this morning. Father, we thank you for your body that was given to us. Jesus, thank you for giving your body. Thank you for being God incarnate, the perfect one, the holy one, the spotless one, a body without spots, without wrinkle, without blemish, no sin did you ever touch. But you were perfect. And the perfect sacrifice given on the cross. Bless this bread this morning. That perfect sacrifice began to shed blood. Blood, Jesus, your blood, life, began to shed life. Blood that cleanses. Blood that can forgive. Innocent blood. Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you for renewing us and making us white as snow. What a unique irony. Red blood making us white as snow. So grateful for it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may come receive communion this morning. <laughs> 